Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm, what am I? I'm a professor of exercise physiology and nutrition for a long time, uh, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hi, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength athlete, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild and all kinds of other stuff, man. Just always doing something. Hey, it's Dr. Mike T. Nelson, faculty member at the Kerrig Institute, instructor at Georgia Southern University, and I have a bunch of other stuff, and I am back in the USA after Ooh. chasing kangaroos around Australia for about three weeks and teaching uh, Reflexive Performance Reset Level 1 and 2 there. Right on. Triumphant return. Are all the yeah, fires out over there? Uh, yeah, I think... We went there. I brought all my kiteboarding gear because we were along the East Coast. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. We'll go kiteboarding in places we stayed. And it literally rained like 85, 90% of the time we were oh, there. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, which was good because they needed the rain. And I actually yeah. put out like most of the fires that were more south of where we were. Oh. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone there we were staying with is like, oh, normally this time of year, this is our summer. Like, this is exceedingly rare. Like, I felt like mm. we just. Everywhere we went, we brought uh, lots of rain, so much so by the end of the trip that it was actually starting to flood everywhere. <laughs> oh, wow. So. Wow. And you actually you ate kangaroo as well as viewed them. I did, yes. <laughs> I, I had my little root tracker of how many kangaroos I saw in the wild. So I was up to seven, I think, by the time I left. Okay. Um, and then I tried some kangaroo steak. A buddy of mine made for me the first night we got to his place and bought some more in the store and... It's very good. It's super dark red. It's kind of, it's a little gamey, but not not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And very lean, high protein. It's relatively inexpensive over there. I guess it used to be like just dirt dirt cheap because there's more kangaroos than there are people in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like sort of like deer here, I guess, in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, it was really good. It was it was quite tasty and it was a fun time. Everyone was super cool and great coffee. If you ever go there, Lonnie, like every coffee shop has like really good coffee. Oh, uh, so much so that like Starbucks doesn't even really exist. I think we saw one Starbucks the entire time, and I asked someone about it. I said, "Well, there isn't really any Starbucks here. Why is that?" And they're like, "Because their coffee is shit." <laughs> <laughs> I have I have heard that they I've heard local roasters complain that the Starbucks they over Roast coffee yeah, to hide the flaws yeah. and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like dark coffee though. But... Ubiquitous in the U.S. It was weird to go there and not 
not see them. Mm-hmm. And they also don't have a lot of billboards. So that was actually very nice. You mm-hmm. don't, didn't notice that you come back to the U.S. and they're plastered everywhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Burger King is called Hungry Jacks, I guess, because the guy who owned the rights to Burger King in Australia refused to sell it. So they had to change their name. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, speaking of uh, meats and that sort of thing, uh, Phil, you said there was something on the Facebook page about the politics and science involving uh, high meat diets and whatnot. Strength and muscle sport news. Yeah. Um, who was it that put it up here? Ryan O'Hare posted a link to it, and there was a uh, – basically, it's pretty winded. But there's a recent conducted meta-analysis that concludes the link between red meat and cardiovascular disease. Cancer is too weak to make bank of recommendations to consume less. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were entering this into the annuals of internal medicine, editor-in-chief, all this stuff. And within hours, the lady's mailbox was full of like over 2,000 emails asking her not to uh, publish it. Wow. It said it was seemingly the emails were made by a bot because they all had the same. Eh. They were almost exactly the same. But uh, mm. the THI, the Health Initiative, a nonprofit organization, uh, directors asked the editor in chief to retract the study. And one of the directors of the THI is a guy named David Katz, who you might know from appearing on the fake news documentary, The Game Changers. Um, and it goes on down the line talking about that. Basically, you know. It was a conflict of interest brought up with mental use of the authors um, because they received 1.5% of their funding from the beef industry. Mm. And uh, anyways, I mean, it comes down to Texas A&M wrote Harvard a a big long letter because apparently most of the THI directors are THI or or Harvard alma mater. And, uh, you know, Texas A&M is where the study was done. So they told their alumni that they're being very – unethical and borderline defamation and this and that and this and that. So, yeah, I mean, basically it's just a bunch of infighting and trying to get something not published because it doesn't fit your your agenda, your plant-based agenda. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of where it's at. You know, just that's timely because I I, was it last week or the week before I was talking about that paper that I got through Lab Roots. It was a Penn State thing, and they were trying to – the title was Protein-Rich Foods May Damage Heart Health. Like that's that's the headline. And we're talking about how these are just attention-grabbing things. They've been trying to link protein to heart disease and other things forever. And what pisses me off is, I mean, we grew up, the three of us, in sort of the low-fat decades. Now everything's sort of low-carb. So you can't eat fats. You can't eat carbs. And now you can't eat protein. Like, what? what's left? You know, you're you're effed. (laughs) So, but yeah, they were trying to say there were two amino acids, methionine and cysteine, that were you know, vaguely linked, like not causally. This was just observational stuff to heart health. And I, I was kind of ripping on that last week or the week before. And this just sounds like more of the same, but more, more disturbing. It's the politics of it all. And I think listeners do need to know that certain professional groups, they do have a sort of a party line in a sense, especially, like I said, if they have a profession attached to them and their professionals are engaging, part of their scope of practice is to roll out certain things like maybe dissuading meat protein, you know, or maybe you're pro protein. Like there's some sports nutrition groups that are much 
more pro-protein, positive toward protein articles than, let's say, certain dietetics journals, right? So, yeah, it's almost a political landscape. I don't, I don't want to believe that science is highly politicized, but you'd be naive to think it's not at all, right? Um, but when you start to see stuff actually get suppressed like that, um, I don't know. It, it sounds disturbing to me. That I, I, I just prefer the more science journals, right? Because if you don't have yeah. this interposing professional group trying to push a party line you know, or a theme, I mean science should be very neutral. And if it's good work, it's just good work. And if it c- contradicts what you've thought for a while, then a good scientist will change her conclusions you know, or his conclusions mm-hmm. based on new evidence. Um, yeah. But that the world doesn't always work that way. But again, I think about the line from Sagan's Contact movie where Jodie Foster says, the world is what we make of it. You know, you can't just say the world doesn't work that way. Well, I'm going to be an idealist. The world is what we make of it. And I'll try to find ways to disseminate stuff that's objectively real. <laughs> you know, uh, what do you think about the politics thing, Mike? Yeah, it just I try not to follow it, even though I know it's in pretty much everything and like you guys were saying if you've been on this planet long enough you've seen every macronutrient get demonized and even a couple of years ago i said oh protein's going to be coming next especially when you look at the people who go crazy about longevity and autophagy and protein is the opposite of autophagy and mTOR is now bad and mm-hmm. uh, i just i feel bad for the <laughs> The poor average consumer, and now you have carnivore saying that you know vegetables are bad, and you know for yeah, I think when I was gone, I looked at just a little bit more of lay media yesterday when I was on Facebook more actually, and I'm like, oh man, I feel so bad for the average person who no wonder they have no idea what's yeah. going on. Yeah, right now they're hearing protein is is bad on top of everything else. Like the last thing they thought we probably got quote unquote correct is now they think is incorrect and. Yeah, I understand why it gets to be kind of a mess. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I did look up uh, David Katz here. It looks like he's got a a newer study in advanced nutrition published in 2019 called Perspective, the Public Health Case for Modernizing the def- Definition of Protein Quality. Um, I wasn't able to, to pull it up yet. This is from the American Society for Nutrition. So. I'll probably have to pull that up later today and read it and see what the hell's going on with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's for uh, listeners, when we talk about mTOR, um, bodybuilders would look at that in a very fo- positive light, right? This is uh, protein synthesis. Like it's a, it's an obvious marker that you're going to get larger in cells. I mean, uh, build, you know, proteins, actin, myosin, become larger and all that sort of thing. It's one of the metabolic, important metabolic pathways. It's very complicated, and yet there are people who are going to say, oh, no, mTOR, that's something you kind of want to shut down for longevity because you don't, you don't want wild growth all over your body. That could be tumors, right? So that's like um, new evidence on the old diabetes drug metformin. One of its longevity yeah. secrets seem to be that it, it suppresses the mTOR pathway, and then you know, and that's a good thing. And then, yeah, a lot of our listeners are left scratching their heads. Wait, I thought stimulating mTOR was, was good, not bad. Now you're telling me it's bad? Well, it's good if you want to get jacked. It's not so good if you're older and afraid of tumors, I suppose, right? So, yeah. And that gets into, are you predisposed to have tumors? What part of the mTOR complex you know, is mTOR1 and different subfractions? Is it yep. in the muscle? Is it in other organs? And 
I mean, I had to sit through a whole week's worth of lecture. One of the guys at the University of Minnesota was one of the world-renowned um, structural analysts of the actual mTOR complex, where they're trying to take little snapshot pictures of it using different methods of what it actually looks like and what part of this binds with different areas. And I don't really remember a whole lot other than I remember after that whole week going, this shit's a lot more complicated than I thought it was. Right. Very <laughs> complex. It's not as easy as, oh, yeah, you, you trigger this pathway and you get jacked. You right. Know, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's redundant pathways on top of it. It's not just mTOR and there's downstream metabolites from that that trigger different processes. And yeah, I'm far from an expert on that, but it gets gets down in the weeds and pretty mucky pretty fast. Yeah. Homeostasis wrecks the show. There was a, like with the, um, what was it? The uh, myostatin inhibitors, you know, that was another one. Yeah. Oh, we'll remove the brakes on muscle growth and everybody's going to get jacked like these hybridized mm-hmm. dogs and bulls and stuff. And, you know, but you try to stimulate one pathway and other ones down compensate. And then, you know, there's no net gain. And that's not very exciting if you're selling a dietary supplement, you know, but. Yeah. Or even if you're just targeting muscle tissue, what if you target cardiac tissue as part of it? Because it's not that different from muscle tissue. Yeah. And now you've got, you know, huge growth in cardiac tissue, which leads to heart failure and other downside mm-hmm. issues. Yep. And Cardio- yeah. cardiomegaly, bad stuff. Yep. Okay. Um. I've got two little bits of nutrition news. I must hate to share these now because we <laughs> I don't want to create, <laughs> you know, well, we can't trust anything. You know, we can't trust our regular politics. Now there's, now there's food politics. Yeah, it's all fake. Mm-hmm. And, um, fake news. I, I, the, the mindset, to me, I think, to frame this is, you know, science is a process. It's not a, a, a product. And it's not any one body of literature. So when you, you have to look at things from different ways. And when you get used to reading science, you realize the scientists, more often than not, don't overconclude like the documentary filmmakers do. You know, they don't broadly assume certain things. They just say, listen, all I can speak of is, is this very narrow uh, set of parameters that I studied. You know, this dose at this duration in this population and 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 you know the, it's funny to listen to the the science journalists try to interview a scientist because uh, the the science scientist right he or she will speak on all these caveats like well no i didn't say that you know or you know only in this population and and we don't know some of these other things or i can't put a label on this like good or bad i'm just saying increase or decrease you know so it's it's reductionist and it moves forward in inches and you should be able to refine your conclusions. And, and I think to your point partly there, Mike, is it really depends. What tissue are you talking about? What's your goal? What's, what are you after here? You can't make these sweeping generalizations that the media sometimes wants to make. So, Yeah, it's hard to put all that in a headline, too. They want to yes. sell newspapers or get eyeballs on your site. And so... Yep. Put in 18 caveats after it, just, you don't have room for that. <laughs> yeah, and yet that's how science, it's just complex. Sometimes things are just complicated, you know. Anyway, um, here's one about stevia. If listeners, you use stevia to sweeten your coffee or, or what have you, um, this could be of some interest. This is by Jeff uh, Gelsky. Stevia's sweet trajectory um, looks like this came out of Kansas City. Uh, a key word uh, summing up the past decade of steviol glycoside sweeteners is expansion. Rabotioside A, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, 
Once was the main steviol glycoside found in foods and beverages, but other steviol glycosides, most recently rabotioside M, have grown in use to improve the taste. So, in other words, the stevia product you have now may not be the one that you tried a while ago that might have had a weird metallic or licorice taste or, or whatever. It says steviol glycosides still are extracted from the stevia leaf, uh, just like a decade ago, but thanks to novel processing techniques, steviol glycosides now may involve materials like sugarcane syrup yeast and baker's yeast to increase the supply of sought-after Reb-M and Reb-D. So this almost reminds me of that entourage effect You know, we, when we talk about marijuana compounds, can, cannabinoids and whatnot. Is any one thing taken exclusively and extracted alone, you know, might not fit the bill, you know, as smoothly as you hope. And yet if you, you, you look more well-rounded entourage or collection of compounds, maybe you get something better out of it. It says uh, Cargill, right, big food company in, in Minneapolis, was instrumental in the Food and Drug Administration accepting of grass status, right, generally recognized as safe, for Reb-A as a sweetener in foods and beverages in December of 2008. So we're talking about more than 10 years. This has really kind of exploded. It says new global product launches mentioning Stevia have increased 13% per year on average from 2014 to 2018. It's interesting. And then there's some comments here from people in the industry basically suggesting that the newer versions can provide sweetness without bitterness or a licorice aftertaste. There it is. Delivering a more well-rounded taste profile uh, with a faster onset of sweetness. So stevia is really growing. Uh, I've actually made a partial switch to it. I still use sucralose, some, Splenda, right? The little yellow packs, of course. But um, yeah, when I'm avoiding sugar, and let's face it, once you head into middle age, I think a lot of our listeners realize this, but if you're physically active, you can help combat this, but you tend to become a little poorer carbohydrate metabolizer. So I'm I'm trying to avoid all this high fructose corn syrup that's in frickin' everything. You know, hundreds of percent more than a decade ago. So, uh, I don't know. What about you guys? Phil, do you use stevia or sweeteners or anything? Or you use sugar? Or what do you do? Yeah, it just depends. Like, right now I'm drinking a sugar-free soda here, and I'll tell you what's in it. The stevia and monk fruit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't add a ton. I don't, like, add a ton of sugar. We have some honey upstairs. I'll add to some things. Um, but I, I don't add sugar to a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it might almost be, I hesitate to say, but generational because I put half a packet of Stevia or Splenda in a big, like, 16 or 20-ounce coffee. Um, mm-hmm. Just that little tiny bit of sweetness, I, I, <clears throat> I, I appreciate the nuance. I want to taste the flavors of the coffee, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Mike, what about you? I know you're, you think about these things every so often. How do you, do you artificially sweeten or uh, use natural sweeteners other than sugar, or what do you do? No, I usually use sugar if I'm going to use anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like products I have, like I have some products that have sucralose, mainly because I like the product and they don't make anything else. And sucralose, very, very tiny amount, so I don't really think it's that big of a deal if it's something you're consuming on occasion and you're not drinking tons of it by the gallon. Right, yeah. Um, stevia, I find a lot of times, again, depending on what version of stevia it is, has kind of a funky aftertaste to me mm-hmm. um, that kind of bugs me. I know that's been, you talk to different flavor houses, they'll talk about that. And when we were at IFT, we did a stevia 
taste test of like with three different kinds of it and uh, like Phil was saying, some of the newer stuff with a lot of manufacturers are switching to monk fruit, which is pretty popular. And I kind of like you know the products that are flavored with it. I think it's a lot milder, and it's uh, in air quotes a, a natural uh, flavor sweetener. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean most of the foods I consume, I don't really worry too much about it because I'm not really getting high amounts of it. Um, I just have every time this conversation comes up, I have these flashbacks to the. My aunt used to drink Tab, the old uh, yeah. diet soda that had <laughs> yeah. aspartame, or which one was it? I can't remember what was in it. I think Is that uh, saccharin sweetened Tab? Saccharin, yeah, I think it was right. saccharin, yeah. You're correct. I remember the first time I ever tried that as a kid, I was like, oh my God, this is like horrible. It's like <laughs> super sweet, chemical, weird type taste. So yeah, yeah I always have flashbacks to that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I don't know, again, because of over the past few decades, it, there's so much fructose crept into foods, even things like yeah. I, I bitched about, you know, the the chicken breast I buy at Sam's Club. I'm like, whoa, there's high fructose corn syrup in my chicken breast. Like, don't do that, you guys. <laughs> don't do that. Um, yeah, and maybe, though, uh, you know, younger people have been conditioned where they just expect it more. I, I would think people in our industry, though, they're more attuned to their bodies and what they're tasting, I, I would hope. Um, but... Yeah, it's not to make this sound like a professorial, but sucralose as a molecule looks exactly like sucrose, almost like table sugar. Very close. It's a little glucose and a fructose stuck together, but instead of little alcohol groups, little OHs around it, it's got chlorine atoms, which is why you don't absorb it. And you might be like, well, won't that sit in your gut? And then you get gas and everything. But no, to Mike's point, Look Look at a packet of sucralose. It's just a wisp in there, right, compared to a packet of sugar, which is much heavier and fuller. So you're talking about something that's 600 times sweeter than sugar. So, yeah, you don't use much of that at all, and especially when I use half a pack, I figure, hmm, meh, you know. Anyway. Yeah. I do think that people – and I got this tip from you, Lonnie, of trying to train clients over time just to enjoy things that are a little bit more bitter and less mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. Uh, I think – Sometimes, especially in the fitness area, we forget that the average consumer likes things that are just like over the top, like super sweet. And that even like in supplements now, like if you make a supplement, no matter how good it is, unless it tastes at least halfway decent, you're not really going to sell anything. Good point. You know, and some of the more popular ones are, especially for things that are more ubiquitous, like protein powder and stuff, it has to taste pretty damn good now or you're really not going to sell anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that taste is still a, a good portion of it. And even in the fitness area where people are kind of picky, I think products in general have gone more to the, the sweeter side of the spectrum too. Yeah. Uh, we're, everybody, we're going to take a trip down memory lane after the break and talk about like the Arnold Classic, uh, which is coming up and our experiences there and how it reflects with other you know muscle and strength events. But yeah, the, the protein powder is also a historical thing. God, when I lived in San Diego, oh, the, yeah. yeah, the only way to get lactose-free protein powder was like a soy base, and it's, I'm like choking down this chemical sweet sawdust, and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, so in some ways, there has been improvement just by expanding to these other flavor agents, you know. Uh, one last little bit of uh, science news here. This is about vitamin D, as I'm reading this, I'm going to have to pull the whole paper, but it says relationship between circulating 25-hydroxy-D, leptin levels, and visceral adipose tissue volume results from a one-year lifestyle intervention program in men with visceral obesity. So 
the reason I need to look at this more is it, it, it's not clear to me if they gave them vitamin D. They're just looking at that as sort of a marker. But uh, it says obesity has been associated with an elevated uh, leptinemia and vitamin D deficiency. So their objective was to investigate the associations between 25-hydroxy vitamin D. So listeners probably know by listening to us ramble on that that's, that's the blood levels that you're checking to make sure that you've got enough uh, vitamin D. And then changes in adiposity or you know fatness and changes in leptin levels. So again, leptin being something produced by fat cells, sensed by your hypothalamus, and it's sort of a thermostat for how much fat you carry on your body. So they took uh, sedentary men, 113 of them with abdominal obesity, and they were non-vitamin D supplementers. Uh, trained them for a year, essentially. And I like what they did was they didn't just have them talk to a nutritionist every two weeks, but they also worked with a kinesiologist. So basically, you know, a, a qualified fitness coach uh, to get them in a 500k cal daily deficit. So a combination of calorie restriction at the mouth, but also, you know, go burn some calories kind of thing. And then they did uh, adipose tissue mapping by CAT scan. They looked at some cardiometabolic markers as well as vitamin D with blood draws. Uh, the one-year intervention resulted in a 26% decrease in gut fat, right, visceral fat, so deep lying beneath your abdominals, and also a 27% decrease in leptin levels, which is something you would expect, right? You've, as body fat goes down, it's, there's less leptin production, uh, and a 27% increase in plasma 25-hydroxy-D concentrations. So their conclusion was that th there is, in fact, an independent association or relationship between uh, leptin and vitamin D and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's I don't know if they're just – because it's observational and they're not actually intervening with um, vitamin D, they're just basically, as I understand this, look, using vitamin D as sort of a marker um, – along with other things of body uh, health, fatness, adiposity, uh, you know, uh, all of the above. So um, it's more indirect evidence, I guess, is, is what they're trying to get at, that 25-hydroxy-D, your vitamin D levels are, in fact, important. Um, more vitamin, better vitamin D status, lower body fat. It's just a relationship. They're not saying one absolutely causes the other, but with the other things we know about vitamin D, it, it's... It looked promising, especially because so many people are deficient. Right, so anyway, that was from Gangloff and colleagues here. Um, International Journal of Obesity just came out. Anyway, so vitamin D, uh, good, I guess, <laughs> if you want to make those, <laughs> those kinds of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's make it a broad headline with none of the caveats. Okay, let's go to break. When we come back, uh, we'll go on a little memory tour of the Arnold and related muscle events. Hello, dear ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now.
Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single digit uh, royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. And we are back. So we're going to talk about, I don't know, the history of, or at least or maybe not the broad history of, our history of uh, muscle events, and uh, such as the Arnold and the Olympia and, you know, things, new things coming up. Like we have, we're working on the uh, NLV meet or Strength Fest and things like that. So mm -hmm. I know, Lonnie, you were part of like the, the first Arnold and the difference of how it's grown. <laughs> Definitely older ones. I, I'd have to go back and look at what year, but to give everybody perspective, Sean Ray was on stage, Rich Gaspari, you know. Oh, wow. They, uh, these guys were – and I remember just um, – I was just f uh, floored. I was so motivated. I, I was almost shaking. I was so pumped up, you know, to see this stuff. And this is – it was in Veterans Auditorium uh, in Columbus, right, Um I still believe that parts of the Arnold happened there. Am I right in even saying that? I don't I even think know. So. <laughs> it's so huge now. It's yeah, that's what I mean. I lost track of where yep. it goes. Yeah, <laughs> but we actually watched, you know, the prejudging and then the evening show and all that kind of stuff. And the expo was actually sort of in the basement or the lower floors of Veterans Memorial there. And I mean, it was a handful. Um, you know, there was some of the old timers. I think Samir Benut was there with like a clothing line or something or, you know, the kinds of a lot of these golden era guys just 
hawking their wares. Maybe it's some liver tabs or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, boat neck sweaters or, or uh, clown pants, stuff like that. But it was just a handful of um, mostly apparel. Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, two dozen booths, <laughs> something like mm-hmm. that. Oh, wow. Uh, it was and it was just way different, yeah. And I remember one year um, we were doing work with the Metrex company, and they put us up in like the Double Tree or whatever. And I'm like, oh my god, this is like a five hundred dollar a night room. I, I don't usually. Mike knows we don't blow that kind of money on yeah. hotels usually. <laughs> Very fancy. Yeah, I remember it's... sleeping on the floor the one time I went to a conference with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. You just make it happen uh, normally, and you know this was over yeah. the top, and that's when, of course. Uh, there was so much money starting to get infused into bodybuilding. I mean, supplement companies have always been part of that, right? You read the old muscle magazines, and they would often – the article about training would degrade into an ad for somebody's protein powder, usually wheat or something. Um, yeah. But it could, be, it could be Metrex or EAS or, or whatever it was. And, yeah, it, that, looking back, that was also part of the golden era. It was this big infusion of cash. and So this year I'm looking forward to how that has changed. I haven't been down there – I think it might have been half a dozen years ago I went down and I gave a talk uh, just as sort of like an educational thing. I think it was about the protein, high-protein stuff that I was doing at the time uh, and breaking out of plateaus, either fat loss or muscle gain plateaus and all this kind of stuff. And um, But if I didn't have a compelling reason to go down, I just got so burnt on it. And you guys know what this is. Like you're shoulder to shoulder with all these, you know um, – posers <laughs> and i don't mean <laughs> i don't mean on stage i mean guys you know they're, they've got on dioderm and they're carrying a jug of distilled water and they're not competing in anything <laughs> and you're like what are you doing you know and i would take pictures of guys with synthol deformed arms and stuff and just rolling my eyes and after a while i'm like i i have to step away from this like yeah. you know i i'm gonna sound like a real old jerk to a lot of people but i just felt like to some of these guys saying you know what grow up you know um yeah, so I haven't really been back down since. So this is going to be an interesting time to go down. Um, I just ordered some swag we can hand out if, people, if, we, if we see people with Iron Radio shirts, people that are trying to take <laughs> a little more intellectual path. <laughs> oh, Iron Radio, here, have a, have a gift. So it, it'd be <laughs> something that we can do to, I don't know, give me a little bit more of a reason to go down instead of just wrestling with this crowd, you know. Of um, so, so wear your shirts because if we see you, you might get something free. That's right. So, and I have a limited. This sounds like an ad, but I have a limited number of these things. So I've got just little, little bits of swag and stuff, keychains or, um, coasters, stuff like that. It's, oh, cool. You know, you're you're one of the thinkers in the crowd. We like that. <laughs> not not that muscle guys. Obviously, everybody knows we don't think that because you're massive, you're dumb. That's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm just saying there are some people down there that appreciate the link between knowledge and gains. Right. So, yeah. uh, but what about you, uh, Phil? When was, what, like, what's your history with the Arnold? Well, I can tell you that the, the hugest difference is what you talked about. It's like when the, when I started going to these things, it was the early, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it was, you're getting into the heyday of the supplement industry. And that's all the expo was. It was just, holy crap. That's why everybody went. I remember the first, First Olympia I went to was, well, I went to that talk at Charles Daly's with Pavel and Dan John, I think. And it was that same weekend. And holy crap, I left there with 
like an extra suitcase of stuff, <laughs> of, supp- of supplements. <laughs> you know, it was my first one, so I totally partook in the event. Yeah, and uh, you know, you just go around and collect stuff. But I think it was me and Chris Sugart walking around there, and uh, <laughs> it was just like I said, it was supplement industry booths everywhere. That's all it was, um, just tons and tons and tons. Of them. And now you, you you'll see like bodymill.com that has their supplements so you see a couple of the big huge supplement companies but now the majority is other stuff it's like a, lots of clothing vendors and and things like that so that change is probably the biggest one that's almost uh, full circle right because originally i think that's what the handful of very amateurish you know bodybuilder athlete like the pros would roll out their clothes or something but i'm sure there's well, probably a variety of stuff yeah, it's weird. Like I said, it used to be a place where they gave out stuff hoping you'd go back and then buy it. Yeah. Now it's they're selling. Everybody's selling yeah. stuff. Go buy. Oh. <laughs> and and not you're not seeing lines and lines of people getting looking to give stuff away, get stuff given to them. It's always it's like a big sale. Oh yeah, I mean, damn, it was like yeah. trick or treat back, you know. Yes, it, it was. It, that's yeah. all it was. Was you just walked and grabbed stuff. Mm-hmm. Along the way, now it's not that. Now it's you walk and you go buy stuff. So, oh, uh, that's a big change. But uh, that and the size of it, you know, I haven't been back to the Olympia in a little while. The last one I went to was kind of like, yeah, this is pretty bad. But uh, <laughs> well, that's what I mean about we. I, I think just haven't been back. Right, we almost need a compelling reason <laughs> to go back. <laughs> And at the Arnold, at least I have. Well, I mean, I got like I get to go hang out with Wendler because he lives right there, and I yeah. get to go. You yeah. go see the Strongman and the Highland Games and this and that and this and that. There's so much going on uh, outside of the expo. Like you don't have to go into the expo for a lot of this stuff, which is great because uh, I don't like that. Uh, I go in there and I do my rounds and I say hello to my people that I know that have booths, and I get the hell out of there. So yeah, yep. Well, what about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm thinking the first time I went, I want to say it was 2003 or 2004. Uh, similar to you guys that, you know, I left with a huge bag of supplements. The th- stuff I was probably a year and a half later, I was still <laughs> found in my cupboard. And mm-hmm. some stuff with interesting packaging that I'm like, oh, with the skull on it that says the curse. Do I really want to take this? I ended up throwing it out. <laughs> Sorry, whoever the company is. But, right, yeah. You know, some stuff where you're like, I don't know if I trust this at all. Um, but yeah, huge expo, just, you know, tons of supplements. And it was the first time I'd seen anything like that. So you're a little bit kind of bamboozled by everything going on. And then probably the next time I went back was probably five years later. I was doing some talks for the NSCA. It was probably 2008-ish, maybe somewhere around there. Um. And then one year went with uh, our friend, Dr. Josh Cotter, and we were going around early to make sure that the supplements that were given out were, is that around the time when, you know, you had some of the ephedra stuff and they were starting to get cracked down on people who were under 18 going in and, you know, kind of grabbing all sorts of crazy supplements. And I think they got worried about safety concerns and stuff like that. So they had changed some of the, the vendor rules for what you could give out and what you could do for samples and things of that nature. So we were a couple of people that had to go around early and make sure that they're all compliant with the, the rules and things of that nature. And then after that, 
went a couple more times. Uh, did go last year, actually. Good buddy of mine, Adam Glass, was there competing for uh, grip competition. So that's the main reason we went, you know, just to see him and his wife and, and hang out and, you know, meet some of the other competitors. And that was off on the side, so obviously we didn't have to go into the expo for that. And their main event was Friday. They had some stuff going on Saturday, so I just snuck into the expo Friday, and then we had a pass so we could get in whatever the hour is before it officially opens on Saturday. And did my little rounds through there, kind of like Phil, and said hi to a few people who were, who were hanging out early. And then I tried to go back in. Oh, I did go back in that Saturday afternoon because I wanted to say hi to to Mark uh, Spud and his wife. And oh my God, it took me. Mm. I mean, 20 minutes to even get to their booth where, <laughs> and I knew where it was and yeah. another 10 minutes to get out and it was just crazy like we ended up having to to leave Sunday so after I did that that was around noon on Saturday Adam had done was done competing by that point and uh, my other friend uh, Ben Pakulski said hey you want to do a podcast I'm like sure so he was off site so we just went over to his place and Hung out there all afternoon with him and never went back. <laughs> so, yeah, but but it's fun. It's one of those things where you, I mean, you get to see tons of the event. I mean, I had watched all the strongman stuff there the year two years before, and you know, just to be able to to see everything in in one area is very insane. I mean, the amount of competitions and. I knew some people were competing in Olympic weightlifting. I knew one a lady, a former client, was competing for powerlifting. I can't remember even what federation it was anymore. Um, but, yeah, just tons of stuff to see. And like you guys said, it's kind of shifted, I think, from very supplement-focused to, you know, buy stuff and equipment vendors and yep. just well, more variety, I guess you could hmm. say, too. Yeah. Yeah, The uh, it, it's weird to see thousands of people you know muscle heads all in one place mm. these are normally far-flung yeah. isolated communities and they're all in one place almost as if like this is how america is you know this is how this yeah. is how the world is but it's this it's this coming together of these you know very different places and they're but they're all in one place so it, everybody is sort of similar thinking Oh, I mean, I know there's some there's a little bit of deviance in the corners of this whole world here, but for the most part, yeah, like muscle head type stuff, and and it's interesting how the expo, the concept has influenced even like scientific societies. You know, like we'll go to um, ISSN or we'll go to experimental biology, and expos are becoming huge parts of these meetings. Yeah. You know, instead of having the grip competition or the powerlifting meet or something in a in a side venue. Uh, that's where the science talks are. But it's funny how the expo almost becomes the hub, uh, the main event for a lot of people, you know. Uh, and I think about what you said, Mike, about the names of a lot of these stimulants. I once was at <laughs> – I, I think it was ISSN, actually. They had that sort of mini, almost an Arnold-esque expo with you know supplements yeah. and, and equipment and stuff. And she was trying stuff from every booth. I'm like, don't do that. Like th- these <laughs> – these ephedra and stimulant substances. I'm like, I'm not going to get in trouble if you like OD, you know, mm. on these because they've got names. It's almost like the, how they name these like hot chili pepper sauces, you know, like mushroom cloud and in radioactive <laughs> death wish and you know and and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's funny how it how it's uh, impacted that. But I remember one time going to ISSN and I had 
a bunch of that's when the ready to drink kind of version of stimulants was pretty popular and obviously it's it's still around and pretty popular and i remember going to get on the plane going oh i can't get all these back because of the liquid and i only had a carry-on i didn't want to check a bag so i'm like well i don't know i'll try a bunch on the way to the airport and yeah, being oh, lit like a Christmas tree the rest of the day just to, <laughs> <laughs> just for the hell of it, basically. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say you threw them away. You drank them all. <laughs> I drank most of them, not all of them. I wasn't completely, I wasn't a complete idiot. I I actually read the labels and, and stuff like that. But right. Yeah, I was like, well, I don't want to just throw it out. And I'm like, who am I going to give it to? Like the homeless guy in the street or something? Hey, here's, you know. Have a great day. You know, right. uh, so. <laughs> well, this all-encompassing thing, I think, has affected bodybuilding and a lot of other events, too, where it's, it's not just bodybuilding event. It's not just a power event. It's like other things. So, uh, Phil, you had yeah, mentioned no, the think NOV thing. Yeah, like how is this yeah, evolving, think, you know? Yeah, I think you're seeing more and more of this stuff, and hopefully we'll see more. I mean, you got the LA Fit Expo. You got this and that. Yeah. Um, it's basically, I mean, what it does is if you bring – if you bring numerous niches together, you can get a crowd big enough to actually make something happen. Right. <laughs> you know? And I think that's really what it is. And you draw enough interest there. Um, you know, we, we have more in common than we have apart. So, I mean, in, mm-hmm. in spectator-wise, it's a lot more interesting if they, people can, yeah, okay, powerlifting is neat, but it's it gets boring as hell if you're not in it. So they can come check out the powerlifting for a little bit, see who they want to see, then walk over here and see the strongman, and then walk over here and see the Highland Games and mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So that's kind of what we're building here at this the second annual Strength Fest thing. So and then we had the NOV meet, and then this year, last year we had that, and then we had a Highlander meet, which was a mix between strongman and Highland Games. Um, and this year we went full-blown. So NOV meet plus... Full strongman plus full Highland Games. Oh, mm. uh, so we're taking over like six city blocks nice. for this thing. So yeah, I mean it's a nice, a nice large area. So and then with that, then it's like okay, invite the clans. Invite. We've got bagpipers coming. We've got maybe a drum line coming. We've got a band playing after the NOV meet's done. Um, I've got people vendors signing up with for anything. I got one lady that's like a nail stylist, and she's gonna put up a booth. Hmm. So. Um, just all kinds of stuff. I'd like to get some things for the kids, jump houses, and you know, turn it into a whole family thing. We got plenty of beer, two beer vendors. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and just turn it into an outside, inside festival, festival of sorts. So, now I was going to ask you that, Phil, but you you already beat me to it. So, like one of the things I remember about the Arnold is some of the people that would have booths or some of the supplement company they would have almost after hours parties. You know, they'd go clubbing mm-hmm. afterward and that kind of stuff. Oh but God! Rem- yeah, yeah. And, you know, you hear all these crazy t- not just a drinking, but you know, drugs and stuff. Like some of the stuff I heard about the old days of EAS, and I'm not, mm. I'm not saying it's true or not true. I wasn't there, but a lot of the rumors you heard was like, oh my God, you know, these guys are out of control. But uh, at least as far as the alcohol and stuff. I, I don't even know what it's like at at the Arnold Expo. Like I, I don't remember people walking around drunk, you know, during the yeah. day. But yeah. I can almost see with Highland Games and stuff, there's gonna be some beer drinking during the day. It's not gonna be a an oh, yeah. after show. Yeah, no, it's gonna be all during it. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have a we'll have a beer vendor right down by them. So and that's a big part of the games. I mean, people sit there and watch and drink and hell the athletes are drinking usually. Uh, while <laughs> they're <real>. competing. <laughs> so uh 
Yeah, we'll have a beer vendor down by them and then a beer vendor clear over by my building uh, where the powerlifting and strongman goes on. And uh, that way you don't have to walk too far. I don't want to have anybody do too much cardio to get to their beer. So <laughs> we have one place at both ends. And maybe we'll get one strategically placed in the center. Um, who knows? But, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And uh, it's a build it and they will come type of thing. You know, it's kind of, I mean, we figured why not? Nobody else is doing it. So, yeah. Um, and I don't know. This is seeing as it's a Windler thing, and it's, I mean, it's got a little more edge to it than some things might. So, uh, like, we've got a, you know, the hardcore punk band playing at the end, things like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> honestly, Phil, a, a little bit of an edge, I think, would be welcome because sometimes I must feel like the Arnold Fitness Weekend has become so broad, it's, it, it's a little bit like, watered down all i i don't want to say water there's some hardcore competition going on there is but it's 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 so big yeah it's good that you could mill around and go check out one thing you get tired of that you can go check out another and that's a good thing but but sometimes i almost feel like it'd be yeah it'd be nice to have a little bit of an edge to it instead of something that's so incredibly family friendly that there's there's none of that you know like you're afraid to swear yes yeah yeah, (laughs) you know and that that won't happen um, <clears throat> yeah. No, and I mean, I'll, I'll do my best to entertain people on the mic and things like that. Like last year, I was drinking beer while I emceed a competition <laughs> for like six hours straight. So, I mean, I started to loosen up as the day went on, too. I imagine. So, <laughs> probably got better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we all had a good time. So, uh, this one should run a little longer. I mean, just for the nature of all the events. I know the Strongman or the Highland Games is going to be an all-day thing. We've got uh, 20 of the best athletes in the world coming, so including this year's uh, world champion. So, uh, Sweet. And then also an open competition. Yeah, it's going to be big. So, When does it? Elite Fitness came on board. Elite FTS came on board. Oh, nice. Of this week as a big sponsor. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's coming along. When does it wind down? Does this go in after dark, or does it stop? I mean, because a lot of this stuff is indoor. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to tell. It's going to go until until pretty much the Highland Games is done, and maybe a little while after that. Because what we're going to do is like the musical start inside after the powerlifting meets done. So mm-hmm. we'll move that stuff, and then the band will start playing there, which we expect the Highland Games will still be going. Um, I bet they go till seven or eight o'clock at night, trying to finish up down there. And you're talking starting at nine a.m. Wow. So, uh, just because we have so many athletes down there, um, yeah, long day. So yeah, we'll just keep rocking it out, man. Until I think I can get a, <laughs> I think eleven o'clock is when I have to shut it down. Okay. So mm-hmm. for city ordinance noise, you know. So. And it's a one day. One day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One day. One day event as of now, who knows, maybe in the years to come. But our big thing now is we're just trying to not, we're trying to break even. So yeah. <laughs> things like this cost a lot of money. Exactly. It's more about providing a sense of community and service than it is just yeah. raking it in, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to be, we're not pulling in Arnold money for sure. Yeah. I mean, a vendor booth, if you want to be a vendor, it's $50. So <laughs> if you want to be a vendor at the Arnold, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> right. significantly more than that from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So... So uh, yeah, we're not we're not raking in the cash over here. But, uh, yeah, be a good time. So. Okay, well I, I we're pretty much out of time. So I, 
nice uh, <laughs> view through, like, to your point, Phil, like, our history. Like, not the history, but at least our history with some of these yes. things and how things have evolved. So I'm curious to see how things are going to work at the Arnold this year and, and all that kind of stuff. And, it, yeah, it's neat to see how they affect the next generation of, of events. So. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. We'll see you next Bye, time. Guys. We'll see you. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.